Some of you may remember a few years ago, uh, I think it was like a year and a half, two years ago, I was on church on a Sunday morning. In fact, the church was set up facing this wall, and we had the chairs in a U-shaped. And uh, it was a Sunday morning, and as we were getting ready to start church and we were coming in, you could see the storm clouds rolling in. And as church started, you could hear the rain hit the top of our roof. And as soon as I got done reading the scripture reading, all of a sudden everyone's phones went off. And somebody raised their hand and said, uh, Pastor, there's a tornado warning for, for Liberty Hill. And we sat there and we said, huh, well, what do we do? We are in a storefront, uh, kind of surrounded by fields. So where do we go? And I, so we decided we could either go into that back office, all 20 of us, 25 of us packing that office, or we could just stay and keep going forward. And so we decided to stay and keep going forward. And it wasn't long after that that a huge crack of thunder happened and the lights went out and the wind was blowing so hard and on such an angle that the rain was actually pelting our windows. Think about that. There's like a, a four foot overhang out there and the wind was blowing on such an angle that the rain was pelting the windows. Now, I can't speak for everyone who was here that morning, but I can tell you I was scared. <laughs> I was a little nervous. And for, I, I had reasons to be because it turns out at that very moment, a funnel cloud had come down over Ronald Reagan, just a mile or two over, and just kind of hovered and went across and then went back up. Storms are scary. Nature can be scary because they're destructive, right? And that's what we see from the disciples today. Today we're going to see that the disciples were terrified in a storm. And yet at the end of the story, we're going to see that it, that's not the only thing they were scared of that night. We're in Luke chapter 8, and we're continuing in our series, The Big Reveal. And we are seeing that Jesus reveals himself in a storm. Luke chapter 8, here we go. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. Squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Alright, so this, the, this is also recorded in Matthew and Mark and we get more details about the day in Matthew and Mark. Uh, this just says one day Jesus said to his disciples. Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus spent the majority of the day teaching. Earlier in the day, he taught his disciples. It was just Jesus and his twelve. He poured into them, teaching them, until the crowds found Jesus, like they always did. And then the crowds found Jesus in the afternoon, and he started teaching them from the afternoon all the way until dusk. In fact, there were so many people that Jesus had to actually get in the boat, in Peter's boat, push out from shore a little bit so that the crowd could line up on the sand on the beach, and they could all see him and hear him. Because that's how many people were there. And Jesus spent hours standing on that boat teaching and teaching and teaching. Finally it was dusk and Jesus said, Crowd be dismissed. Disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. And as they're going, Jesus falls asleep. That line seems pretty insignificant, and yet uh, it, it's such a cool aspect of Scripture because here we get a glimpse into Jesus' humanity. Jesus is true God, but when He became man, He set aside some of that glory, and now He was susceptible to what we're susceptible to. So, for instance, 
Jesus is true God. As true God, does He need to eat? No. But when He became a human, He set some of that glory aside and now He needs to eat in order to survive. As God, He doesn't need to have water in order to survive. When He becomes man, He sets some of that glory aside and now He has to drink water in order to survive. As God, He doesn't get tired. He doesn't sleep. When He became man, He set some of that glory aside and now He gets tired. Jesus is exhausted from His day of teaching. Exhausted from pouring into people. And so what's He do? Disciples, you take command of the boat. You take control. Let's go across the lake. I'm going to go in the back of the boat and fall asleep. And that's what Jesus did. And as He's sleeping, we're told a squall came down. A big storm comes over the Sea of Galilee. Uh, not really unusual. The, the Sea of Galilee sits in a bowl with mountains all around. And so it was very common for, for you not to see the clouds until they're right up on top of you. And when the clouds came over and the storm came over, the winds would just whip around like a whirlwind. And that's what happens here. But remember, these are experienced fishermen. They spent their life on the lake and they've navigated and controlled through the storms before. But this one was so severe that they lost control. They were being swamped. Waves were coming over the sides of the boat and they wake Jesus. Master, we're going to drown. You think they were scared? Absolutely. Why? They had no control over this storm and they were going to die. And that's what storms do, right? Storms remove the illusion that we are in control. The disciples lost control. They had none anymore. They had no control over the storm. They couldn't make it stop. They couldn't navigate through the storm. They lost it all. And that's what the storm did. It removed the illusion that they were in control. Think, it, we often think that we're in control of our lives, right? Many of us like to plan. We like to plan our day. We like to plan our year. We like to plan our life. Why? Not only is it good to be organized, but it gives us a sense that we're in control. That we have control of our future. That we have control of our life. But do you realize how little control we have? You have no control over the other drivers on the road. You have no control over your spouse. You have no control over your boss. You have no control really even over your kids. You can encourage them, teach them, but they're going to make their own decisions. You have no control over the economy. You have no control whether there's a tornado, an earthquake, a famine, a wildfire. We have no control, but we think we do until a storm comes in and that illusion is removed and what's left is fear. We saw this just a few weeks ago, didn't we? A few Fridays ago. Uh, all week leading up to Friday, what were we told? Severe storms coming to Austin. Severe storms. Uh, tornadoes, hail, damaging winds. Be prepared. Here it comes. And everyone prepared. Everyone planned. And when Friday came, a lot of people were nervous. Why? Because despite being prepared, Despite planning, we had no control whether a tornado came or not. And if a tornado came and it hit our house, what would that mean for us? 
Storms remove the illusion that we're in control, and that's where the disciples are at. We don't have control, and we're in danger. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Here's what Jesus did. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So they wake up Jesus, and Jesus stands up, and he calms the wind and the waters, and he says, Where's your faith? There are a lot of stories in the Bible, especially with the disciples, where we shake our heads and we say, What are you thinking? How, how can you say that? How can you do that? How do you still not get who Jesus is? I don't think we shake our heads at this one and question the disciples. Because we get where they're coming from. We know the sense of sinking. We know the sense that we're about to drown, that life is falling apart. And we know what it feels like to think that Jesus is asleep on us. We may not experience a tornado. We may not experience earthquakes and famines. But nature is scary. And we, we all experience our own storms in life. And we know that feeling. That feeling of, Jesus, I've lost control. And you seem to be asleep on me. We get this one. And that's what's so comforting about what Jesus does, right? He stands up and He simply speaks and the storm calms. The storm subsides and it's all peace and all calm. Jesus reveals to us today that He has control over the uncontrollable storms. He's got control over the uncontrollable storms. And how? Just like last week where He cast out that demon... He simply spoke and the demon was gone. Jesus simply speaks and this uncontrollable storm stops. All goes calm. Try that next time that's storming here. Try going out onto your front porch looking up at the sky and saying, Storm, be quiet, be still. It's not going to listen. Because nature is uncontrollable. Except to God. And that's who Jesus is. And that's the comfort of all this, right? Jesus has control over the uncontrollable. But did you notice how the disciples responded? You think they would be filled with joy. You think they'd be filled with comfort and excitement. But instead, in fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? Were they amazed? Yeah. But they were also filled with fear. They were scared of the storm. Now the storm is quieted and they're still scared as they're standing in the boat with Jesus. Why? Who is this that even the winds and the waters obey Him? Who is this that has power and control over the uncontrollable? You see, what are they afraid of? They can't control a storm because it's so powerful. And that's scary enough. This guy has even more power. And just like we can't control a storm, we can't control 
Him? How are we supposed to trust Him? Can we trust Him? Can we trust the one who has more power than the most powerful aspect of our world, storms? Can we actually trust Him? Because He's got more power and I'm sitting in a boat with Him. Can we trust Him with our life? And that's what brings the fear, right? That's where our fear comes from. Jesus says, trust me. And we say, I'm afraid to because I don't know. You have all power in the world and I don't know that I can. Because Jesus, as I look at my life, you have all power and yet you don't do things according to my plans. Jesus, you have all power and you ask me to trust you, but you let hurts come into my life. Jesus, you want me to trust you and you have all power and yet you bring me to storms and in fact, sometimes you even lead me into them. I don't know if we could ever know what Jesus knew on earth um, because as true, true man, he set, some, some, he set aside some of his glory, right? So did he know that this storm was coming? Maybe, maybe not. But if he did... Who's the one who told the disciples to go across the lake? Jesus, right? And even if he didn't know then, he's up in heaven now and he knows all things and he knows the storms that are coming into our life and yet sometimes he even leads us into the storms. How can we trust Jesus? He's uncontrollable. No amount of pleading, no amount of prayers, no amount of Jesus keep us safe is going to control what he does. How can we trust him? His power is scary. And that's what this causes the disciples so much fear. So how do we? There's a very big difference between a storm and Jesus. Do you know what it is? Storms only cause destruction. Jesus loves you. Both are uncontrollable. Both have extreme power. A storm doesn't love you. Jesus loves you. There's only one storm that can completely sink you. It's a storm of God's rage and wrath over your sin. And you were in a boat going across the lake of life and that boat was filled with your sin and you were sinking under the rage and wrath of God but Jesus got in the boat with you. And He didn't stay asleep. He got up and He sank with all of your sins to the very depths of hell. He went down with your ship. As He was on the cross where He shed His blood, He sank to the very depths of hell, enduring God's wrath, enduring His anger over your and my sin. And that's where your sin has stayed. That is the only storm that could ever destroy you completely. And Jesus went down with that ship. He went down with yours. He went down with mine. So all of your sins are completely removed from you, forgiven. And they stay down. That's how much Jesus loved you. That's how much He does love you. He went down with your ship. And that's really the key in trusting Him, right? Does Jesus love me? We can answer yes. 
He loves me so much, he loves you so much that he went into the depths of hell for you and for me. And if he loves you that much, we can trust him to take control of our life. We can say, Jesus, you lead my ship. Jesus, you be my guide. You be my captain and take me through life. And I'm going to trust you and I can trust you because look how much you loved me. Storms can take away our health. Storms can take away our wealth. Storms can take away our family. Storms can take away our home. But it can never take away the home that we have waiting for us in heaven. And there, do you know how it's described in Revelation? It's described as in front of the throne of God, there's a sea of glass that doesn't move because there's no storm, there's nothing to disturb it. It's only peaceful and calm. Just like the sea that the disciples were on after Jesus calmed the storm. You see, we have peace with God because God's anger, His storm of His anger and wrath has been pacified by Jesus. And now He looks at us and only smiles. Filled with peace, filled with the calm of knowing that our sins are at the depths of the sea because of Jesus. Can we trust Him? Absolutely. But there's still a question we've got to answer before we close up today. And that's this. If Jesus has all power, and if Jesus really loves me, why does He allow the storms to come? Why does He allow the heartaches? Why does He allow uh, the, the sadness in my life? Why does He allow the tragedies? Why does He allow the storms? Here's what He promises you in Romans chapter 8. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Short answer, we don't know why He does. Long answer, even though He allows them to come, He promises that He's going to use them for our good. No matter what storms come into our life, no matter how much heartache, no matter what happens, Jesus promises that He's going to use them all for our good. For our good. And that's your last point today. If Jesus brings you to the storm, He promises to use the storm and use it for our good. And that's what we see with the disciples, right? What do they end up being, saying? Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey Him? Their faith was strengthened that this is God Himself. That was the only answer. This is God Himself. The only problem is at the time they didn't know the extent of Jesus' love for them. You and I have hindsight. We can see back. We know the pages of Scripture. We see the love that Jesus has for us. The love that sent Him to the very depths of hell for us. And now, we have, now He's revealed to us that He is God, in control of even the storms. And so we can completely trust Him. If He brings us to a storm, if a storm happens in our life, it's because it's gone through the fingers of our Lord and He knows that it's going to be used for our good. And so we can trust Him. Jesus, take the ship. Lead me. Guide me. You are in control and I will trust You and I will not fear because You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me, Psalm 23 says. So as we go through life, hardships will come, storms will come. But Your Lord and Savior, Your God is with You. And He promises that He's going to use it all for Your good. God be with you this week as you uh, trust in Him the God over all the storms. Let's pray.
Dear Jesus, we praise and thank you that you are the God of this world, that you have all power, all control of every storm, even the uncontrollable of life. We thank you that nothing comes to us that you don't know about, uh, and you, that you promise that no matter what does come, you promise to use it for our eternal good. We ask that as these events come into our life, some we can control, some we can't, we ask that you uh, help us to respond as your children. Uh, respond in a godlike way because we know that you are with us, we know that you love us, and we know that you are going to use it all for our eternal good. Be with us today and always. Amen.